Welcome, friends, to a brand new episode of Exploring the Seasons of Life podcast. I'm your host, Cindy McMillan, and I'm happy to be back after a refreshing summer break and super excited to introduce a new podcast series, Holistic Living, Embracing Wholeness in Everyday Life. Holistic living is not some fancy buzzword. It's like coming home to yourself, body, mind, heart, and soul. Imagine showing up for yourself in every way possible, like you're your own best friend, therapist, chef, and personal cheerleader. It's about nurturing all those parts of you that make you, well, you. Now wholeness, that's where the magic sparkles. It's embracing your stories, your scars, your stumbles, and your soaring moments, and realizing that all the essential brushstrokes that create your masterpiece. You're not a puzzle with pieces missing, you're a tapestry woven from the threads of your experiences. Holistic living isn't about adding more to your plate, it's about savoring every bite, every breath, every precious moment. So join me as I welcome my guest, Sony Singh. Sony Singh is a doctor of divinity, poet, novelist, avid reader, and cross-cultural seeker of deep knowing. Author of award-winning novel, Lonely Dove, and of the Soul Seeker Poetry Collection, Embody, Embrace, and Embolden. Her second novel, Can You Be, was released last week. Congratulations! Thank so, you. welcome, Sony. I'm so delighted to have you, and I feel very lucky that you're here with us today. Well, I'm delighted to be here, and I feel lucky to be here with you this morning. So, it's wonderful, and I love that introduction of holistic <laughs> and being yourself. That's wonderful. It's beautiful. Yeah, I was going to ask you. You know, your the title of your novel, "Can You Be?" I love that. Can you be? Because it can go in so many different directions. Do you want to talk just a little bit about your novel that was just released? Absolutely. And, and you know, interestingly, uh, the, the reason the uh, novel is titled Can You Be? is because the protagonist in the novel, Nana, uh, she goes on this journey of self-discovery. And throughout her journey in the novel, she keeps on asking herself, who is she? Uh, you know, is is being a title, is being a job, uh, is, is being, you know, just uh, uh, who you are in your life experiences. And so those are questions that come up in her mind throughout the novel. Um, and, and, and thus it's, it's titled that way. But it, it does explore the sort of journey of self-development and self-discovery. And I think that's something we all do as we're going through our journey, you know, can I be okay with where I am right now? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, that's actually going to take me into the question that I love so much to ask. And that is, what does exploring the seasons of life mean to you personally or in your business? Uh, to me personally, I'll, I'll answer both actually, if, if I may. Um, to me personally, exploring the seasons of life, to me, it's knowing where I am in the moment because we change and evolve so much. I have uh, on a personal uh, experience just changed and evolved so much myself. I mean, I've had different careers, uh, lived in different places and every phase uh, meets a new version of myself. And I always, especially most recently, have stro uh, I strive to be the best person I can be, uh, the best version of me, 
that that involves exploration that involves you know who you are where you are what is going on in the moment uh and that is also something that i explore a lot in my writing through the novels through my protagonists because in the in both novels although very very different journeys they're both stories of self-discovery of who are we and where are we going and what does that mean and I definitely explore that in my poetry because the poetry for me is a is a form of self-expression. So whereas the novels are completely fictional, um, the poetry is an expression of what I am going through in the moment. Uh, and that to me is an exploration of, of where you may happen to be. You know, whenever I read poetry, I when I'm reading it and it's something that is almost a universal theme. It's something that somebody like the writer can be going through, but it's also something that I've gone through. It resonates with me so much. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, what's, that's one of the things that I love so much about both reading and writing is that at the time that you're writing, uh, you, you're writing from a personal place, uh, from a personal perspective, even when you're putting together a novel, it's your interpretation of what that protagonist is going through. But once you put it out into the world, it's up to the reader uh, to interpret it and to, to make it their own and to uh, add their life lens into the experience. And so, yeah, you I can be writing my personal journey, but somebody might read it and then reflect upon their own personal journey. And it can be completely and entirely different. And that's, that's beautiful. That's actually, I think, one of the wonders of being able to share writing. Mm, love it. Well, can you share your journey? What led you to become a doctor of divinity? And and I want to go back to that because that interests me so much. But you're a doctor of divinity, you're a poet and a novelist. And so how do all these different parts of Sony come together? <laughs> uh, well, it was, uh, you know, in that theme of exploring who we are, uh, I got to a point in my life, and this is going back about uh, five or six years, uh, so relatively recently, I uh, had I had to come to terms with the fact that I was not happy doing what I was doing in my career because I had not allowed myself to really uh, to really um, follow my purpose and follow my dream. And I had been wanting to be a writer since I was a child. I mean, I remember uh, the first time that I encountered a book and how that filled me. And I, I would have dreams about writing stories and, and think like, this, this would be a wonderful life. <laughs> but I just didn't give myself that opportunity to do it. Um, I let myself believe that it wasn't possible for me, that I wouldn't be successful, that, you know, I wouldn't be uh, financially stable. And so I, I chose different uh, paths. And again, four or five years ago, or maybe actually six years ago, uh, I, I, I hit a, a roadblock in the sense that uh, I had a, um, a health scare, which usually, you know, things like, like health scares help you kind of reflect. And I realized I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted. By then, I'd lost such connection with myself. I didn't even remember that writing was something that I wanted to do. Uh, and so I, I went on this journey of saying, I want to discover who I am. I want to discover what does it mean to have intuition? Because I've I'd heard about intuition and gut feelings, and I literally had no idea what that meant. 
Uh, and so it, it, it just evolved. It went, I went on the search. Um, I started uh, doing uh, morning pages uh, because I discovered the book, uh, The Artist's Way. And uh, I, I looked for guides, people who wrote about in, uh, intuition. And one thing led to another in, in, in just the right courses, the right uh, circumstances presenting themselves to me. Once I realized intuition is listening to my own voice, uh, listening to myself, and that's how I connect with the world outside, it, it just became the search of wanting to know more and do more. Uh, and so that's what led me into the Doctor of Divinity. Because of morning pages and because I would write every single day, it all, I, that's how I rediscovered this uh, passion of mine to write stories. Uh, that's also how I discovered poetry, because even though I'd always read poetry, I never even thought that I would be a poet. But I realized that that was just a beautiful way of self-expression, a beautiful way of connecting with my own feelings, with my own emotions, which I'd become completely disconnected with. And so it all ties together in the sense that I got to the doctor of divinity in wanting to know myself better and thus wanting to know our connection individually and collectively to the universe, to our bigger purpose. Uh, and then writing was just a way of, of showing that. So all of my writing, including my poetry and novels, has an element of uh, either the mystical or the spiritual or something, because now at this point, it has become sort of such a big part of who I am. So, Sony, for, for our listeners who may not know what morning pages are, can you just briefly touch on that? So in The Artist by Julia Cameron, she suggests that first thing in the morning, you write three full pages nonstop. And you do this in a way where you're not, you're not censoring your thoughts, you're just essentially pouring your thoughts onto a page. Uh, she, in fact, suggests that you don't go back and read it so that you don't criticize yourself. And then, you know, don't go back and, and kind of say, Oh, gosh, what was I trying to even say here? But more of a way to release what you've been holding in your unconscious and, and, and put it on a piece of paper. The, the, the thought or the thought behind doing it the first thing in the morning is that you don't, you're, you're more sort of natural. It, it all comes out just from, from the inside without you uh, having any sort of re uh, reservation about what you're saying, or what you're putting on the page. I discovered, and I've sort of seen that other people have the same experience is that at the beginning, it starts really awkward. You're sitting around thinking, what am I doing? Uh, what do I even need to say? And she actually says, if you don't know what to say, just say, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to write. And then eventually your thoughts start pouring out. But what started very convoluted eventually became very focused. Um, and it allowed me to express things that I didn't know I had inside. It allowed me also to release things that made me more calm, more peaceful, more mindful. And so it, it went from this exercise of just connecting with myself to being actually quite a, a form of meditative writing. And so, yeah, different people have different experiences with morning pages, but that's, that's in essence what, what that is. So just out of curiosity, did you go back and read your morning pages and the, did that help you develop your novels? I went back... At some point, so if, if you follow the artist's way and the way that the, the book is set out, um, she essentially tells you not to read it for a period of time and then when you reach a certain point to go back and read them. 
Uh, and so I did, and it was interesting just to see that evolution. Uh, it was a very personal experience, so I actually discarded it. I didn't, I didn't hold on to it. I didn't keep it. I do still write every single day, and I realize that some of my poetry comes out of morning pages and having that habit of writing. I may iron out situations that I am putting in a novel, but I don't necessarily include the morning pages into the novel. I'm just really curious about, you know, how people set up their their routine, so to speak, and how they start their writing, just creativity, you know, in general. One of the things when I was introducing you, I talked about this multicultural background and how that influences the themes and perspectives you bring to your storytelling and your coaching. So how does that work with your coaching and your storytelling? Indian descent. Uh, I was born in Mexico, grew up in Colombia. I've lived in Hong Kong. Now I live in the US. And so I've impossible for me to not incorporate those kinds of life experiences into my storytelling. So my protagonists have a multicultural background, similar to mine, because I write from my own experience, even though the characters are not me. It's still something that I can relate to. I don't usually feel like I have a home. I feel like I belong to everywhere, but at the same time, I belong nowhere. And I think that is an important perspective uh, that, you know, some some people, though not a lot of people can, can relate to. There's a lot of us that are, you know, in, in a way not necessarily tied to any particular location. And so that makes me adaptable. It also makes me adaptable in the perspective that I provide to others. I love the idea of just writing from that influence because I love to travel. And so traveling, and when I travel to different places, I bring all those experiences back home with me, so to speak. Absolutely. And that's the thing. We pick up from everywhere we are, uh, no matter if we're there for you know a few days, a few weeks, a few months, a few years, it becomes part of who we are. Uh, and, and, and that's a, a beauty of being able to explore the world. Uh, and I think it's important to bring it into whatever we do in our daily lives and to who we are uh, as we're exploring who we are and how we evolve. Uh, it helps open up our, our, our minds, our perspective. And I think especially in, in, in how, you know, discussions evolve with people, it helps us see that we're more similar than different. Uh, and I think that that's something that is missing a lot in the um, kind of more mainstream conversation. We tend to focus so much on how we're different, but really we're a lot more similar than we give our, our, ourselves the chance to recognize. Mm, love that because I absolutely agree with you. Now your writing encourages self-acceptance and living from living one's life on their own terms. So, and you have talked about this, but how do your own experiences with self-discovery contribute to this message? And what advice do you have for someone who may be listening that is like really struggling to embrace themselves fully? I, th- I mean, for one, I think it's important to, to recognize that sometimes this is a life journey. Um, as we, we, we explore who we are, we continue to evolve and change, but we also have to be mindful that who we are now may not be who we are tomorrow and who we are now is not who we were yesterday and that's okay. Uh, It's just, it's really hard because we tend to look on the outside for measures of who we should be on the inside. 
and really it doesn't matter. Um, and and it's it's hard to make that distinction to say it's okay that I am not like the people around me. Uh, we bring our own beauty. We bring our own uniqueness. The the way that I have learned um, to fully accept myself is to say to myself, and so what if I'm different? And so I keep on asking this question, and so what if I if, if you know I'm not like that person, or if I'm not in this place, or if not I'm not in that place? And that question, if I continuously ask myself it, it helps me accept where I am and who I am in that moment. Uh, and so, in fact, that's that's one of the things that I do on my current morning pages is that if, if the, the feeling of, ooh, I'm not feeling comfortable with where I am right now, I keep on asking myself, and so what? And the other big thing that I do is gratitude. I think uh, a practice of gratitude helps us appreciate where we are, appreciate the things that we have, uh, and brings us into kind of a, a higher energy, higher level state where we can be more open into accepting ourselves. Um, because it, when when we start expressing gratitude, we're essentially saying we're, we're happy here and now. Um, and that that's part of the, the, the kind of objective in our, our self-acceptance. So when we're talking about gratitude, because I do, like, just as a tiny example, Sonia, before we started the podcast interview, I always sit down and write out my gratitude to my guest that is coming on and, you know, write out my intention and, and express my gratitude. And for me, that just makes me, when I do get onto the podcast, feel, feel comfortable of the interview and how it's going to go. And that just is so uplifting when you express gratitude. Absolutely. And, and, and the thing with gratitude also is that, as you said, it, it, it helps you just kind of ground in that moment to say, I'm, I'm, I'm happy, I'm good, things are good around me. I may not have everything that I need, but in this moment, things are good. And, and that I, it, it's part of the acceptance journey. It's one of the, the, the key factors, I think, into uh, kind of embracing where you are in, in your life at that moment. Yeah, I, I honestly think when we start on this journey, and I've been on the journey for many years now, but it's self-awareness and self-acceptance. Those are definitely those first few pieces. Mm-hmm. And also it's it's opening up to being okay that you're essentially peeling layers in every time of you, anytime you involve, uh, kind of go into this uh, self-acceptance journey, you know, you get to the outer layer, you're happy with that, you peel, and then you discover the next one. You're happy with that, you peel, you discover the next one. It's it's part of healing. It's part of discovering who we are. And I think that the moment that we embrace that this is a lifelong uh, pursuit, it makes it easier. Because sometimes we, we have this fallacy that we will reach this point of, of happiness. And once we reach there, everything will be wonderful. <laughs> And that's just not the way things work. Uh, you know, there, there, there will always be that next thing. And so if the, the moment you become okay with the fact that life is evolution, things become more, more uh, manageable. 
I have to tell you, that is so true. I remember calling a girlfriend one time and I was like, I have done so much work. I've done this. I've done that. Shouldn't I have reached where I'm going to be? I'm like, but it's just, it's just this lifelong pursuit that just <laughs> keeps evolving. <laughs> Well, could you, I was going to just ask you, could you share a a personal transformational experience that significantly shaped your spiritual journey and the way you guide others? Yeah, I mean, there's so many, but um, I will, I will tell you, especially boundary setting. (laughs) Because it's been such an exploration for me in terms of, you know, uh, who am I? Where do I end? And where does somebody else begin? What is selfish? What is not selfish? Um, because, you know, the, the thing is, with a lot of people, we, we, we often tend to give a lot of ourselves to other people. Uh, and it usually when you when you people who struggle with boundary settings, like I do, um, we tend to put our needs below that of others, we think of others, before we think of ourselves. And in fact, when we start learning to think of ourselves, it feels selfish. It feels like, oh, this is this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. The right thing is to prioritize the other. Uh, and it affects us in every stage of life because especially if we're not meeting our own needs, eventually our health suffers, uh, we become frustrated, we might even become bitter. Uh, we start thinking like, you know, life is unfair. Why do other people get this? And I don't get that. But really, it's because we're not giving ourselves what we need. Uh, and so for me, that journey is tied into my spirituality. In fact, when I started going through the doctor of divinity, um, that was one of the biggest breakthroughs that I had was recognizing that it is so important and so vital to set boundaries. And it's not that you're being selfish is that you're honoring your own needs. And it, it's sort of the uh, filling your cup first, because, uh, you know, if, if you don't fill your cup, if your cup is not always full, you don't have enough to give to another person. You're essentially giving from some a container that's already empty. Uh, and so f- for, for me, uh, learning that I needed to address my needs and, and, and even just saying, what are my needs? And asking that question and how do I fulfill my needs was <clears throat> part of, uh, of that self-journey and self-discovery. And so what I do at this moment um, apart from morning pages is I meditate every single day. I do yoga every single day. Um, and, and that helps me ground that helps me connect with my body that helps me have conversation with myself and, and, and my body and say, what do you need? How are you feeling? Uh, what is it that you want for the day today? Um, you know, beautiful. And what you said that you set an intention for the call. Well, that helps set an intention for the day. And that's a vital way to start addressing your needs uh, and making sure that you're filling your cup before you're giving to other people. I've talked about self-care on the podcast a lot. And I remember I I had a series, well, the whole podcast is around self-care, but I had a series specifically um, for self-care. And I was talking to some friends and they, and I just remember them looking at me like, 
what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, shouldn't we be giving everything we've got to our husbands? Or shouldn't we be giving everything we've got to our children or wherever they may be given their time? And so I started talking about that, about filling their cup first. And it was like a light bulb went off. They had never even really thought about it that way. Yeah, another analogy that I like to use is just, you know, when you're when you're an airplane, and they, they tell you put your oxygen uh, mask on first, and then assist others. Essentially, it's because if something were to happen, and you don't have your oxygen mask on, you're not going to be able to assist another person. Um, so you have to take care of your own needs in order to be able to help or be there for someone else. And if you don't, then you're essentially running on empty. Um, you're not you're not giving from a place of fullness. You're giving from a place on, um, of emptiness. And so that part of you that is giving when you haven't addressed your own needs is actually not giving your true self. Um, you know, you're 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 giving from a place that is not really happy, fulfilled, um, and in in a sense in themselves, uh, meaning they're not grounded, or you're not grounded, you're not in, in, in the best condition to be able to give to another. Whereas, if you take care of your needs first, you're more able and happier uh, to care for another person. Yeah, one of the things I was writing this morning um, was about when I was doing my own personal journaling this morning was about right now, for me, it is about that inner peace, you know, that's what is that's what I'm looking for right now, is that inner peace. And I think that's kind of like what you're talking about. When you have the inner peace and the inner happiness, then you can give authentically mm -hmm. to other people. Exactly. But you can't unless you're able to take care of your own needs, uh, meaning you can't achieve inner peace if you're constantly giving and not receiving uh, and and the thing in terms of even uh, part of my, my my journey has been to learn that giving includes myself. It's not just giving to others. It's giving back to me uh, from me <laughs> <laughs> because that, that, that was the, the, the missing component that I just uh, hadn't really understood when I was learning about boundary settings and self-care. And you really just touched on another piece as well, is the receiving part, mm -hmm. how important it is to receive. It is. And, and that's the thing that we sometimes think like, oh, no, 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 we, you know, either from ourselves or even from other people, like you, you feel guilty or you feel like you're burning somebody else. And, and, and the truth is that there's beauty in receiving. And in fact, unless we see ourselves as worthy of receiving, from ourselves or from others, um, we also don't don't get to a place in, of inner peace because it also comes um, with self love, which seems contradictory, uh, but it's not because the more we love ourselves, the more we see ourselves as valuable and worthy. The more we're opening up to receive, um, because the the thing is, we're all here for each other, and we receive from the universe, we receive from one another, and we receive from ourselves. And so, yes, very vital component into self-care and self-love. Mm -hmm. What's one big key takeaway you would like our listeners to get from this episode? Because we've touched on a lot and it's been <laughs> excellent and it's been deep. But if there's one thing that you want our listeners to really um, take away, what would that be? Trust in your soul. 
<laughs> it's actually my life motto. It's become my life motto in the re- in the recent years. Uh, I I like to say that to people because there is nothing more sacred than who you are as a person. Uh, trusting in yourself is the greatest gift that we can give. It, it, it really encompasses, in a way, all that we've been talking about. Trusting yourself means connecting with your intuition, means accepting where you are in life. Uh, it means that you understand that we're in an evolution. And when you're constantly trusting in yourself, that is your one constant. Uh, that is the one place that you can always rely on uh, to handle anything that comes up, uh, how we evolve, how we move from one season to another season, uh, how we grow through stages in life. Uh, so yes, trust in your soul. I saw that on your website and I just loved it. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you thank your 18-year-old self for? Oh gosh, uh, I would thank my 18-year-old self for having the curiosity to explore the world uh, and explore just what life had to give. At that point, I was too immature to say I had explore myself because I wasn't emotionally there. But I definitely had a curiosity even when I was 18 to just uh, travel and see as much as I could. Uh, and that's something I'm, I'm extremely grateful for. Well, I have loved having you as a guest. I have loved it. Can you tell our listeners your website, your social media, where to find your books? Absolutely. Well, you can find my books anywhere books are sold. My website is uh, my my name. It's sonysingh.com. That's S-O-N-E-E-S-I-N-G-H.com. And my social media handle is Sony Singh Author. So at S-O-N-E-E. S-I-N-G-H-A-U-T-H-O-R. And I will have all that in the show notes. So thank you again. I appreciate you being on the podcast. Well, Cindy, it was such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I am your host, Cindy McMillan, and my website is CynthiaMcMillan.com. Your support means the world to me, and I'm thrilled to have you as part of our podcast community. If you enjoyed what you heard, I'd be incredibly grateful if you could take a minute to leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, whether you're a loyal Apple podcast listener, a Spotify enthusiast, or use any other platform, your reviews make a huge difference. Not only do your reviews motivate me to keep creating great content, but they also help others discover the show and become part of our community. So please share your thoughts and feedback. I can't wait to hear from you. And as always, stay tuned for more exciting episodes. Until next time, take care and keep spreading those positive vibes.